this is a subject which um, universally, when it's presented in conferences or in other contexts, it ends up being packed out. Uh, the people of God are somewhat um, fascinated and even obsessed with the subject of God's guidance. In this picture here, you see the pillar of fire leading our people through safety in the wilderness. Today, let's look at God's guidance. Let's look at what it is. Let's look at some wrinkles uh, in God's guidance. And let's see something about how God's guidance happens. I need to warn you, this is such a huge subject that uh, we're going to touch the hem of this garment, and there's much more to say. But let's begin. Divine guidance. First of all, what is it? Guidance from God is however God gets us, knowing what he wants, being where he wants, thinking what he wants, and behaving how he wants us to behave in the world. Let's look at that again. Guidance is however God gets us, knowing what he wants, being where he wants, thinking what he wants, and behaving how he wants us to behave in the world. That is guidance. And there are many, many, many different forms of guidance. But guidance has some wrinkles. And those wrinkles appear in today's Torah reading. Many of them do. First of all, one of the wrinkles is that after God, uh, is, is that sometimes God's guidance seems foolish. <laughs> sometimes you think, you got to be kidding. I mean, really? We read in the passage, after Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not guide them to the highway that goes through the land of the Philistines because it was close by. It was more convenient. As a matter of fact, it was about uh, 11 days journey from uh, from Egypt to Kaddish, to Kaddish Barnea, the, uh, the edge of the promised land. It took them 40 years. <laughs> God leads the people not by the, not by the near route, but he leads them by a, a roundabout way. God thought that the people upon seeing war might change their minds and return to Egypt. Rather, God led the people by a roundabout route through the desert by the Sea of Suf, and the people of Israel went up from the land fully armed. So the first thing for us to realize is one of the wrinkles in God's guidance is that sometimes God will guide you in a way that seems foolish. Secondly, often God leads us out of our comfort zone, I want to promise you this, because our comfort zones tend to be imprison us in non-growth. We just stay the way we are. Well, God is not satisfied with that. He leads us out of our comfort zone. We see that in today's reading. Adonai said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel to turn around and set up camp in front of Pihachirot, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Tzaphon, camp opposite it by the sea. 
Then Pharaoh will say that the people of Israel are wandering aimlessly in the countryside and the desert has closed in on them. To their credit, I was amazed to read this. The people did as they were ordered. That's, that's unusual. But this is really outside the comfort zone. You're fleeing from Egypt. You're running for your life. And God puts you in a situation where you've got this huge sea at your back. You're trapped. Sometimes God will lead you. Sometimes God will lead me out of our comfort zone. This is one of the wrinkles in guidance. If you're interested in God's guiding you, and I, I admonish you to be very interested. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Nothing better in the world than being where God wants you to be, thinking what God wants you to think, knowing what God wants you to know, and behaving as God wants you to behave in the world. There is nothing that tops it, but it involves being led out of your comfort zone. Another wrinkle. God does not generally tell the whole plan. He will guide us concerning general direction and the next step. And that's about it. When Abraham leaves Ur of the Chaldees, he's 75 years old. And God says, get out of your country, leave your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make of you a great nation, etc., etc. Now, he doesn't say, by the way, that land is Canaan. It's going to take you so, such and such time to get there. He doesn't tell them that. He says, go that way, and I'll show you a land that's going to be yours. That's typical of God. He does not generally, as a matter of fact, uh, the only thing, only person I can think of to whom God gives a more explicit uh, roadmap is Moses. Uh, God, God uh, tells him, I want you to go back to Egypt. You're going to have a real hard time with Pharaoh. After that, you're going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. You're going to worship me on this mountain. He gives him quite a bit of information. That's unusual. God does not generally tell us the whole plan. He will guide us concerning general directions. Well, in a sense, I've got to go in this direction with my life. I've got to go in this direction with this relationship. And, and you may have a sense of what the next step is, but that's about it. When I left Jews for Jesus to come to Southern California and to, at the age of 44 with three children, a wife and no job, I had a sense that God wanted me down here. I uh, had a sense he wanted me to go to school. I didn't know I was going to be the rabbi of Avatio Messianic Synagogue. I didn't know how I was going to make a living. <laughs> There's a lot I didn't know. I just knew what direction. I knew the next step. Sell the house, go to Southern California. I don't want to set myself up as typical. I am not. God, God's stories in the Bible will reveal to you that he doesn't give people the whole plan, and he won't give it to you. He will guide you concerning general direction, He'll give you a sense of what your next step is. And that's about it. So that Adonai says to Moshe, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. That's one of my favorite verses in the story of the Exodus. Because there are times in your life, in my life, there will be many times when the question you need to ask yourself is this one. Which way 
is forward. As a matter of fact, you need to ask that question all the time. Sometimes you can't know more than that. You just need to know which way is forward. And that's what God did, did with the Israelites there in the wilderness. Another wrinkle, often, often, other people will think you're crazy or even get angry with you. I was remembering uh, uh, Chuck Swindoll, famous preacher, very, very gifted man. He's still ministering. He's amazing. He's in another, another church in Texas. He went back to Texas. He, he was originally in Texas, in Irving, Texas. He loved uh, the, the Dallas uh, Cowboys. He loved being in this big Bible church in Irving, Texas. He was just a big success. He had a radio show. And then a couple of people, a couple of business people in California, they said they wanted him to come out and consider planting a church in California. And uh, he figured out, oh, what the heck, I'll go. He went, but it was insane. These people asked him and he said, no, 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 I'm very happy in Irvine. Or rather, I'm very happy in Irving, Texas. But they kept praying and eventually came out and then he decided it was God's will. And he tells the story that when he and his family were leaving Irving, Texas to come to California, where he ended up at an evangelical free church south of here, I don't remember what city it is, some of you will remember. Uh, uh, but as he was driving out of the, the uh, parking lot in Irving, Texas, on his way with his family to California, his secretary was standing there with tears streaming down her face. She's saying, you're abandoning us. People were not happy. Often, not always, let's at least say sometimes, not often. Let's change the often to sometimes. Others will think you are crazy or will be angry with you for what you do in response to the will of God. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and saw the Egyptians right there coming after them. Great fear, in great fear, the people of Israel cried out to Adonai and they said to Moshe, was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the desert? What have you done? Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? And they go on. They're angry with him for following the will of God. Sometimes that'll happen to you. But it's better to follow the will of God than to make people happy. Another wrinkle. God's guidance is often about God. As a matter of fact, generally, God's guidance is about him gaining glory for himself. It's not about us. We're along for the ride. God is at work in our lives that we might be people who glorify God, that we might give unto the Lord the glory due his name. God says uh, to Moses, lift your staff, reach out with your hand over the sea and divide it in two. The people of Israel will advance into the sea on dry ground. As for me, I will make the Egyptians hard-hearted they will march in after them. Thus, I will win glory for myself at the expense of Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his cavalry. Then the Egyptians will realize that I am Adonai, when I have won myself glory at the expense of Pharaoh, his chariots and his cavalry. It's an important question. 
for us to ask ourselves, what is my life about? What is it supposed to be about? It's also a question, what does God have to do with this? Here's the question. Is God, is it God's job to make you happy? Is that the way it works? I'm here in the center of things and it's God's job to make me happy. And if God doesn't make me happy, he's falling down on the job. And uh, I knew a, a young woman who was a follower, uh, not a member, but someone who was a friend of us in Jews for Jesus in the early days. And uh, she wanted to be married and have a child. And she gave God an ultimatum. She gave him a certain time by, by which these things should happen. And when it didn't, she went out. She ended up not getting married, but getting pregnant to have a baby because it was God's job to make her happy. And he fell down on the job. Therefore, she took matters in her own hands. This is very foolish. Obviously, it's foolish. So getting back to this question, what is our life about? And what is God's place in our life about? Do we revolve around God? Or is he supposed to revolve around us? That's a crucial question. In this story, hold it. In this story, uh, we see God says unashamedly, he says, I'm, yeah, I'm going to put all you guys through this. You're going to go, your whole nation is going to go through here on dry ground. <coughs> the Egyptians are going to come after you. And by this, I'm going to get glory for myself. God deserves glory. He, he's the creator of all that is. Uh, he's the, the source of all being. He is the ground of all being. He is the great I am. And so it's a privilege for us to be involved in any kind of endeavor in which God is glorified, which means people get a chance to see the grandeur of who God is and therefore to adore him. This is really what our life is about. God, guide me. We ought to pray. God, guide me so that I will spend my life doing things that will cause people to love and honor you and to give you the glory that is due your name. Another wrinkle. How we respond to God's risky guidance shows what we are made of. Very interesting. This is a great story. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and saw the Egyptians right there coming after them. In great fear, the people of Israel cried out to Adonai. So look at the Israelites' reaction. They're terrified. And they said to Moshe, was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out to die in the wilderness? Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? But contrast that with this. They continued, didn't we tell you in Egypt to let us alone? We'll, we'll go on being slaves for the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to, uh, to be the Egyptian slaves than to die in the desert. So that's their reaction. Their reaction is terror, anger, fear. Moses answers the people, stop being so fearful. Remain steady. You will see how Adonai is going to save you. He will do it today. Today. You have seen the Egyptians, but you will never see them again. 
Adonai will do battle for you. Just calm yourselves down. Now, Moses and the children of Israel were in exactly the same situation. They were seeing the same threat coming at them. But the people's response is complete deterioration and panic. Moses' response is, relax. God's got this. It's extraordinary. God does not know exactly what God is going to do. Moses does not know exactly what God is going to do. But he knows that God is going to do. And it's fascinating what he says. Stop being so fearful. Remain steady. You'll see how Adonai is going to save you. He'll do it today. Today, you've seen the Egyptians. You'll never see them again. Adonai will do battle for you. Just calm yourselves down. Wow. So when we get into these risky situations, when God guides us into a situation where our back is to the wall or to the water, how we respond to these situations shows what we're made of. Are we immature like the children of Israel were there in the wilderness? Or are we like Moses, who already is showing these signs of maturity that made him one of the greatest leaders in history, where he says, relax, it's going to be okay. So I want to close this by quickly giving you some of the ways God guides us. I've shown you some of the wrinkles. I've shown you what it is. But I know that some of you would like to say, well, Rabbi, how does God guide us? We don't have a pillar of fire. We don't have a pillar of cloud. How does God guide us? I'm going to give you a list. And sometime we ought to have a conversation, all of us, about these things. First of all, foundationally, God guides us by the wisdom of the word. If you want to know the will of God for your life, you want to know the will of God for the world, if you want to have a sense, uh, if you want to develop a sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit in your life, you must immerse yourself in the Word of God. And I mean immerse. I mean make it a habit. It is something that you do as a regular lodestone of your life. Uh, you, he guides us by the wisdom of the Word. Secondly, he guides us by lighting things up. Sometimes you'll be reading something. You may be reading it in a book. Uh, uh, but you certainly may be reading it in the Bible. And then God lights it up. That happened to me when I was in San Francisco. Um, uh, a very rare, unusual experience. I was reading a passage and I had an aha moment where I realized that my giftedness was around the, the character of a, of a priest, facilitating people in worship, ministering to people in their, wilderness, in their woundedness, and a teaching. Those are the three, th three things that the priest did, ministering to people in their woundedness, facilitating them in worship, teaching them. I realized my identity is a priestly identity. I'd never seen that before. And it isn't just that I had an idea. That idea came alive in me. It had a spiritual presence. That's why I've told you this story before. That's how I, when I ended up coming to Southern California, I ended up writing my whole dissertation about the rabbi as a surrogate priest. This idea of priesthood, etc., was something that came from God lighting something up. Another thing, Another way God guides us. 
by pointing things out. Sometimes this happens in your life. You have some kind of experience of some sort or another, the most mundane thing. And then you sense God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, uh, Melissa, pay attention to that. Or Steve, uh, think about that. Now, you're not going to hear a voice generally, but you're going to have a sense that, that the Spirit of God is pointing something out to you. This has happened also in my life with relationship to Avatsion. Uh, I won't tell you the story because I tell too, most, too many stories about myself, but I just want you to know that at times, in the most mundane circumstances, you'll have a sense that God is pointing something out to you. Fourth way, by dropping things in. Sometimes God, God will put a thought in your mind that now, it's not a thought that's going to drive you in a direction. It's not a thought that's going to trap you. God's guidance always is characterized by freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When God seeks to guide you, he is not prodding you. He's not pushing you. That is what the wicked one does. God will give you an idea, a pregnant idea, that, that you know does not come from your own kishkas. You know, I'm not really sure where did that come from, but it has a certain persistence. But it's a persistence that leaves you totally free. And sometimes God will guide us by dropping something in to our heart and our mind. Number five, God guides us by lighting a fire. You have a passion for something. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, sometimes God lights a fire because he wants you to tend that fire. And so what are you passionate about that advances the glory of God in the world? That's not an accident. You very possibly need to be involved in a thing that you are passionate about that increases God's glory in the world. So sometimes God guides us by lighting a fire. Number six, sometimes God guides us by, often by the way, by an honest assessment of who he has made us to be. Look at your, what are you good at? What do you, in what area are you a natural? You know, Jeff Millinson is just a natural administrator. He's natural detail man. That didn't come from training. It didn't come even from a spiritual gift necessarily. It's just who God made Jeffrey to be. So by an honest assessment of what are your natural abilities? What are you just generally good at? What are your acquired skills? What have you learned to do skillfully? And what are your spiritual gifts? What are the areas in which when you do things in this area, people report that their lives are enhanced, their spiritual lives are enhanced by what you do in that area. That's one of the reasons why I teach, because people claim to, be, to benefit from it. So by honestly assessing your natural abilities, your acquired skills and your spiritual gifts, 
God guides you to a sense of what you ought to be doing. I know God has not guided me to become a ballet dancer. I can hardly walk, much less dance. Number seven, by gifting this discovery, that's related to this, by your discovering what your spiritual gifts are, and there are various ways that can be done. I'm not talking about a questionnaire. For example, what kinds of responsibilities do you gravitate to? That's, you, that's often an indication of what your spiritual gifts are. What kind of responsibilities do you gravitate to? Richard Hoffman and Marsha Hoffman both have the gift of mercy. When somebody is in trouble, they meet somebody in trouble, Richard and Marsha have to be there helping them. They can't ignore it. They have, they have gifts of mercy. And all of you have spiritual gifts. If you want to talk to me about it sometime, you know where to find me. Number eight, God guides us by making things obvious. This is something called double confirmation. Sometimes you may feel that God has guided you in a certain way to do a certain thing. And it's a private thing. And then three weeks later, or some other time later, somebody you know, or somebody you just met, will come up to you and they'll say, you know, I've been thinking about you, and I think this, this, this. And what they say to you is exactly what you felt God showed you two or three weeks before, and they have not a clue as to what you've been thinking about. That's one of the ways that God guides us. He will do double confirmation. That happened to me when I came down here to Southern California. And it gives you courage to make a move when God doubly confirms something. Number nine, we're almost done. God guides you by his capacities as a supreme commander, communicator. Years ago, I did a lot of fretting about how I would know God's guidance. It drove my wife a little crazy. I just didn't know how I would recognize God's guidance, recognize God's voice. And finally, it occurred to me that God is the supreme communicator. When he wants to get something over to me, he is perfectly capable of doing so. So don't be anxious as though, oh, how am I going to know God's will? That's not the problem. The, the pro that's not the problem. The problem is, are you seeking God's will? Are you spending time in prayer? God is the great communicator. He can get it, he can get it through to you by, by an infinite number of means. Chill, relax. When God wants to get you to know something, when he wants to guide you uh, to know something, to be where he wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do, thinking what he wants you to think, he will get the message to you because he knows how. Lastly, we opened up with the wisdom of the word. God also guides us by the wisdom of wise counselors. Don't go off like a vigilante all by yourself. You may have some very cockamamie ideas. And don't just look for people who you know are going to agree with you. That's a big mistake. You need wise counselors people who care about you, who don't have an agenda for your life, and people who can be trusted to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. 
He guides us by the wisdom of his word. He guides us by the wisdom of wise counselors. There are some wrinkles in God's guidance, but there is nothing in the world that compares with the privilege of knowing and following God and see, seeing that he receives the glory that is due his name. Let's get with it. The pillar of fire is moving. I know that you are passionate about guiding your children. Yeshua said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You want your sheep to hear your voice in the many ways in which you speak. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to know and increase for everyone listening to this the extraordinary adventure of following the omnipotent God. We pray in the name of Mashiach, Yeshua, who always did the Father's will. Amen.